What is up, guys and gals? Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. Cody, pretty exciting week nine all around. I had a pretty good one. Ended up going two and two in my leagues, but uh, my two most important ones, I got wins, and I uh, made a Justin Fields investment uh, over you know the, the past week there in one of our uh, very important big leagues that. Uh, we play the, the mini dynasty one we discuss sometimes, so that went pretty well for me, and uh, yeah, we'll get into game. that later. But yeah, I'm well. Again, we'll get into the the impact there later on when we discuss that game. But I, uh, I I had a pretty good week all around. How about you? Yeah, well, luckily in that same league, I got old to a T, which uh, has been a has been quite the quarterback for me as well. So, well, both of us kind of sneakily got ourselves a little steal there in that league. Uh, but solid week overall for me. I also got a W in our mini dynasty league, um, which was it was good. I am in good spot in that league. I think that'll move me up to second or third, depending on if uh, one guy had one guy had a close matchup going into tonight. But I'll take a look at that. But three and two overall. Unfortunately, uh, two losses. I was kind of in bye week hell, but I still have good rosters and there's enough parity in that league. I can make up those losses. So. Not a big deal there. Um, on overall, a brighter note, our best bets are now 34, 19, and 1. 63% of our bets are cashing. And since week one, where we went 1 and 5, we are at a 69% cash rate. Uh, pretty crazy because, on average, a uh, professional better among across an NFL season shoots for 60%. So Nick and I are above that. And if you take out our terrible week one, we're clearing that pretty well so that's pretty exciting and then last but not least as always like comment subscribe we appreciate you helping us get our name out there uh obviously fantasy playoff push is coming we want to help as many people bring home championships as possible so uh you know if you're listening share it with a co-worker share it with a friend share it with someone you don't like we don't care we just want to help them out all right nick take it away news injuries time to time to break down some good old colts discussion here yeah, we have a couple big news items that you uh, just kind of alluded to. That being one, uh, I'm going to start with the big injuries that we had that are you know we already know uh, about at, at this point on Monday night, recording just after the Ravens and Saints game ended. Uh, Romeo Dobbs will be out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Uh, we'll get to that game later, but you can drop him. He is no longer relevant in redraft leagues. He's only a dynasty stash at this point. Um, four to six weeks at this point is basically a season ender. Josh Allen, this is the big one. Uh, he's being evaluated for a UCL injury. His status for next week is uncertain. This is one you really got to watch. He apparently had this injury back in college. Uh, he ended up missing four weeks. We don't know if it's the same injury. Again, uh, we should know some more tomorrow, but uh, obviously a huge storyline if the consensus fantasy QB1 rest of season is out for any period of time. So keep your eye on that if you have Josh Allen, and you're probably going to be looking for a streaming quarterback going into next week uh, just in case yeah, he is, uh, you know, Right, yeah, you're going to have to at least get somebody on your bench uh, just in case this injury either gets worse moving forward or Allen is you know, out this week uh, or you know the next couple. So we'll see you on that one. But Rashawn Gary, uh, this is a big one uh, for the Packers more so than fantasy, but uh, could, very mu- could very well affect the Packers' defense and just their matchups moving forward. Uh, he tore his ACL. He's out for the year. He was an outstanding defensive end for them for the past year and a half. Um, sad to see for the Packers. They had a lot of injuries this week, including the two that we just alluded to. So he's out for the year, and their defense will definitely suffer from that. He is a great defensive end. 
And Cody, I'm going to let you take the uh, the reaction to this one, but Frank Reich was fired today by the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and Jeff Saturday, the ESPN personality, was named the interim head coach. Zero uh, coaching experience at the college or NFL level. Um, I I don't really know what to say about this one. I, I thought it was a kind of ridiculous move, sort of just flew in the face of all of the uh, you know Rooney Rule stuff, and you know all the a lot a lot of just brazen action by the Colts front office in the past couple weeks. So, Cody, I'm going to go ahead and let you take this one away. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, obviously, just want to say, Rashawn Gary, that does suck. And for Patriots, or Packers fans just in general, that is very rough. But on the Colts, uh, obviously, Frank Reich fired. Um, I think he will get another job in the NFL. I think he is a pretty good NFL guy. He should. Uh, Oh, he absolutely should. If you're asking my opinion, 100%. But I think overall, he definitely will. Um, so take about him. the Colts, yeah, the Broncos would take them. I'm sure the Cardinals would take them. Uh, I mean, there's plenty oh. of teams out there. So, um, one thing I just want to highlight about the Colts because I ne- I did not know this actually until earlier today, but the Colts are kind of an under the radar dumpster fire that's been ca- or covered up by Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for 20-ish years. So this is a story about Jim Mersey's dad. Obviously, Jim Mersey is the current owner of the Colts, inherited the the team from his dad. Jim Mersey, just Google his, yeah, thank you. Jim Mersey, just Google his name. You can look up all the terrible things he's done in his life, including this decision. But his dad, when he was the owner, went to the sideline and demanded the head coach change the quarterback mid-game. The coach declined to do that, so he fired him right after the game through the media and never spoke, spoke to the coach about the firing personally. Then he turned around and hired the GM to be the coach for the rest of the season, and in his first interview, the new head coach said that he had did not know the playbook and he was going to have to learn it before the first game. The Ursays should pay Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for covering up what I think is going to end up being a dumpster fire for the foreseeable future, thanks to bad ownership, which is the key component to a dumpster fire in the NFL. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback play has a way of masking bad ownership. Uh, the Green Bay Packers can probably tell you a little bit something about that. Uh, maybe not bad ownership in that case, but, but no at least bad roster place. management. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to argue anything that you said about the Ursays. I think the Jeff Saturday hire kind of says it all. Um, sort of just seems like basically he went to rah. his... Right, he went to his phone book, saw, found somebody that he he liked, and called him up and offered him the job. I thought I saw just a bit of an interview with Jeff Saturday. He and he may end up being a great NFL coach. I don't know, but the fact that he's never coached at any professional level in uh, in football is just you know not a great sign, and it, it just shows kind of the uh, the nature of this hire, in my opinion, uh, on the Ursay side of things. But one he, more uh, thing. you know, he basically said he got a call, and sorry, I just want to finish this Jeff Saturday yeah, story sorry, real quick, but. He, uh, he said he got a call and basically was like, would you turn down an offer to be an NFL head coach? And I was just like, yeah, that's that's not what I want to hear necessarily. I kind of want to just hear, you know, oh, I've been expecting this. I've been working for this. And you know, Jeff Saturday just seemed as surprised as you and me that he was uh, you know, given the call that he was. So I, I, I just think that kind of says it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think what is even more telling about this ownership group and the Colts and their state right now is if you had to have odds on who is the Colts head coach next year, I think Jeff Saturday would actually be pretty high on those odds. <laughs> just because Jim Mersey likes them so much, just based on their first press conference. We'll see how the rest of this year goes, but 
Um, yeah, well, like I said, I think Colts maybe underrated dumpster fire for a couple of the past few years and maybe headed that way. Um, but we don't have to keep talking about them. I just I heard that story about Jim Mercy's dad uh, earlier today. I thought that was very interesting and maybe the. Um, what is it? So the apple doesn't the fall. Apple, the apple. There you go. Uh, yeah, I was just yeah. about to just about to finish that one for you. But, All right. Uh, well, this like is a fantasy football podcast. In case you guys forgot while you were listening, Nick, first game Thursday night football. Let's break it Philly down. Philly at Houston. Uh, Philadelphia won this one, twenty-nine to seventeen. Really, not a lot of fantasy reaction from this one. Uh, starting on the Philadelphia side is you know this is especially true on the Eagles. They uh, struggled to start the game, uh, picked it up in the second half, and kind of ran away with it uh, late in the fourth quarter, ended up winning uh, by 12 points. Nothing really changes for them at all. Devonta Smith is what he is. He's a boom-bust wide receiver three. Didn't have a great game in this one, but you know when uh, you have a kind of a lower-volume pass offense like this one, it's going to be tough to support three options consistently. So better days ahead for him, but you just kind of have to come to expect this. Good day from Goddard, good day from Brown, solid day from Hurts, not spectacular, but... Uh, they, they did just fine pretty much, uh, you know, throughout other than Devonta Smith. And then Sanders had a good game as well. Yeah, absolutely. On the Houston side, uh, pretty valiant effort from them just overall, especially considering they didn't have their two star, uh, two starting wide receivers in, uh, Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks. But, um, you know, uh, this, this offense just kind of is what it is. They're very similar to Tennessee, who we'll talk about later. It's pretty much just the running back and no one else. Damian Pierce is a man amongst boys. 27 carries, 139 yards. Uh, didn't end up with the greatest fantasy day because he did not score and didn't catch any passes. But that doesn't change the fact that he's a must-start running back moving forward. Yeah, absolutely crushed both of those unders that we recommend betting on. <laughs> so absolutely did us wrong there. But, um, yeah, Damian Pierce is the guy you want out of this team for sure. Um, one guy I just want to bring up, Cooks. He's definitely a drop candidate if there's someone out there worth adding. Um, but if you have the roster spot to hold him, um, he still could be a good player. It's just the, the situation's weird in Houston. You know, he may not get on the field. We'll see. But – um, I think at least for this next week, I'm holding them unless there's somebody out there that I want to go get. Or if there's a stash candidate or something we bring up that you really like, I'd consider dropping them. But I think he's still worth holding just because there's no other like elite. Not, he's not a, probably not elite, but top-tier pass catcher in Houston. So if it were to go someone's way, I think it would be Cooks's again. So Yeah, hopefully we get some some clarity on his rest of season availability later in this week. Uh, yeah. But I would agree. I'd try to hold him until I hear definitively that he's not going to be playing on the Texans for the rest of the year. You know, if something like that comes through, obviously you can drop it. But at this point he has a decent chance to, you know, out of, out of all the guys here, he definitely has the best chance to be relevant. Yeah. Um, Chargers at Falcons is our first game from the Sunday slate. Uh, before I get into the Sunday slate, I just want to mention this. Uh, the Ravens, Bengals, Patriots, and Jets are on bye next week. So if you have any players on those teams that you're relying on, uh, you are going to want to make sure you find a replacement for them on the wire this week if you don't already have one on your bench. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward here. Uh, Chargers... On their end, uh, kind of a tough game for them. Uh, sort of expected a little bit more out of this offense, even missing Williams and uh, Keenan Allen in this one, uh, especially just because we saw the Panthers you know, score 34 on this defense in the same situation the week before with P.J. Walker at the helm. Uh, but I have a pretty interesting stat here on Austin Eckler. 
He had zero touchdowns uh, through one, three weeks one through three. He has 10 since then, Cody. That is six games. He had two in this one. Uh, didn't really have the yardage totals that you need, but if you score twice and catch seven balls, you're going to be great for fantasy. Um, I, you know, Obviously, Eckler is a locked-in RB1 moving forward, uh, but the rest of the guys on this offense, I think Palmer's a must-start until you know one of those two guys comes back. That's Williams or Allen. And... Um, you know, even once one of them comes back, I think he is at least in consideration at that For point. Sure. Uh, he looked he looked pretty good on Sunday, and then uh, on on Justin Herbert himself, I think until he gets one of Williams or Allen back, we might need to consider streaming him, especially next week against San Francisco. Just looked like tough sledding against a really bad Atlanta defense. Uh, I don't really think it's on him, but he just doesn't have much to work with on the outside right now other than uh, Josh Palmer, who, again, should should be this team's wide receiver three. So do you disagree on the Herbert take? No, I, I 100% agree with you that you should probably be looking to stream, especially against the 49ers in the upcoming week. Uh, we'll list a couple names in just a second here, but... Um, also, I just want to point out, like, on, on Tuesday after the waivers run, or I guess it be Wednesday morning, um, check, make sure Justin Herbert doesn't get dropped. Even though we are saying that he should be a – like, you should stream someone else for this upcoming week, he's not a drop candidate. He's way too good, and this offense can be way too good towards the fantasy playoffs when everyone's back. So just a, you know, a little tidbit there in case he does get dropped in some leagues. It'd be a low-level play, but it probably will happen in some – um, but I do agree with you. Two names I just want to throw out there. Dak Prescott is coming off a of bye last week. I think Dak Prescott was probably good enough to be held through the bye, but again, a low-level fantasy move may have dropped him. Just go check, make sure he's not out there. And then Trevor Lawrence against the Chiefs I find kind of interesting. Um, the Chiefs in this game should be – there may be a passing – maybe uh, the Chiefs could be winning, uh, leading to a lot of pass attempts from Trevor Lawrence. Maybe gets a lot of yardages, a couple of touchdowns, and has a good streaming performance. Um, any other names that, that you think of, Nick, or, or these two? Do you agree with these two? Yeah, I like those two over um, Herbert at this point. If we are assuming that both Williams and Allen are out next week, obviously right. we need to keep an eye on that. But if both of those guys are out, I think I probably would make the pivot on both Prescott and Lawrence. And uh, one other one, I think Jared Goff's an interesting name to consider. He plays at Chicago next week. Uh, weather is always in consideration in November in Chicago, so watch that. But we just saw uh, that Miami-Chicago game, and uh, the, the Detroit defense does not inspire much confidence either. So I think we could see a similar script play out there. Lots of pass attempts for Jared Goff against a weak Chicago defense. So I think that could be something you should consider if, again, Herbert is dealing with the same situation he was this week. And uh, before we move off this game, or actually before we move over to Atlanta, did you see the uh, Austin Eckler fumble at the end of the game? That was probably one of the most insane plays I have ever seen in an NFL game live. It was absolutely wild. Did you did you watch it I, or see I, any replays? I did not see it. I have not seen it. Whenever I saw your note on it, I meant to go look it up because I knew it was going to be mentioned So, so I'll just I'm give a quick, have to quick check it out, but yeah, go ahead and Quick breakdown. Uh, so they're driving at the end of the game. Uh, they're just basically trying to run out uh, the clock before they kick the game-winning field goal. They're about 40 yards out from a uh, – or about 40, it would be a 40-yard field goal from where they were on the field. Eckler 
Uh, runs up the middle, gets hit, and then fumbles on his way down. It was just kind of a nice play by the Atlanta defender to, to punch the ball out just before his elbow hit. Uh, Atlanta picks it up, runs back. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they, they're running 45-50, and the guy just drops the ball out of nowhere, like just pops right out of his arms. The Chargers recover, and then uh, immediately a 20-yard strike to Josh Palmer. They're back in field goal range, and they end up kicking and winning the game. It was it was, it was was a pretty wow. insane play. It just, it just kind of like... It can. It's like that is quintessential Atlanta Falcons right there. Yeah, I, I've never seen a team lose lose a game, a, lose a game yeah. in that way. It was just it was hilarious. But um, on the Atlanta side, I think there's a good chance we see Desmond Ritter before the year is out. Um, yeah. Mariota just is not it. He missed a ton of big plays in this one, especially to Kyle Pitts. Uh, Pitts owners had to be just tearing their hair out watching this game. Uh, he missed a 75 yard touchdown where Pitts was streaking wide open down the middle of the field at one point. Um, yeah, so this offense is just going to be limited while Mariota is the quarterback. He is a, you know, just not a great thrower of the football, unfortunately. Um, and then I think the other takeaway I have here is that Patterson looks good. He's definitely the guy you want moving forward. I would hold on to Algier to see if he can maybe, you know, keep this role that he has right now. At least, uh, he got 10 carries and a couple targets in this one, but I think Cordero will continue to, you know, eat into his share of things and become the lead back here. But, uh, I think he's confidently the the guy you want in Atlanta. At the very least, I think he will have the high-value touches. Yeah, he's definitely the guy that you want uh, moving forward. I personally think Algier can be droppable if someone else, else is out there on your waiver wire that you want. Um, he's not someone you have to hold, but I get Nick's, um, Nick's point there. Maybe they don't want to give Patterson a full workload. But I imagine an, an older player, um, you know, I mean – I. I guess, do you think Algier, you said maintains flex value. Do you think he just, you know, takes half the workload and then just kind of, you know, is an efficient player with the touches he gets? Or do you think he can actually eat into Patterson's opportunities? Because this is a, you know, they're probably going to be a middling team here in a couple weeks, probably switch to a rookie quarterback. It kind of makes sense to move to the rookie running back if you like him. Uh, So that is another side you could take with it, but... I think I'm. I want Patterson right now, and Algier can be dropped. But if you want to hold out for the potential, um, you know, rookie takeover, I, I can understand that side too. Yeah, I think my my point is just more. I think if he can maintain the role he had in this game, uh, just because of how much Atlanta wants to run the football, uh, then he he will at least be a yeah. usable bye week type of replacement moving forward just because anybody that is receiving 12 to 15 touches a game is someone we need to keep an eye on. So that's, that's really all, uh, it's really where my head's at with, uh, with Atlanta. Maybe they don't want to give Cordero Patterson 20, 25 touches a game just after seeing what happened last year and at the beginning of this year. Exactly. So I would hold on to him, but if you have to drop him, I don't mind it. Yeah. Last but not least, Drake London. Um, you know, you hate to do it with a rookie breakout potential, but you can't hope for this team to start throwing the football more. They just don't want to. And like you said, with Mariota missing big plays left and right, if he hits one to London, you know, it's wonderful. It's it's he's a great boom bust option if you you know don't have any others, but he's gonna bust more than he's gonna boom quite a bit in that offense. So. I think the, he, I have okay so I think that the one reason I would potentially hold on to Drake London is for the switch to Ritter if they if they do That's, go to yeah. him and then they they open up the passing game a little bit maybe he is just a slightly better thrower than Mariota and he ends up preferring Drake London then you know you could have something there because I think he is a really good player but like you said that the, at the the current state of affairs for the Falcons offense it's going to be tough for him to be reliable week to week yeah yep yeah, I, I agree with that 
Miami at Chicago. This is the game I want to talk about. 35-32, uh, Miami wins it. Cleared my over by a mile. That line never made any sort of sense to me. I uh, I kept checking the weather reports in Chicago because I expected, you know, some sort of rainstorm or windstorm. And for the you know, the, I thought that was the reason this over under was so low. But they cleared it by 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Absolutely crushed that uh, over under for me. So thank you guys uh, for coming through. But this game was probably one of the most entertaining I've watched, uh, you know, from start to finish this year in the NFL. Uh, I I just had a really good time watching it. Maybe it was because I had Justin Fields on my team, but uh, I think <laughs> most people that were watching for anybody, uh, you know, anybody on their teams were pretty happy if you did had anybody other than a Chicago running back. Uh, Cody, do you want to give your uh, little tidbit here before I get into the game? Yeah, for sure. So um, the reason why I did not see the Austin Eckler fumble and then recovery was because I was actually golfing for a good part of the noon games on Sunday because it's probably the last good weekend we're going to have weather in Missouri slash Kansas. So enjoyed some golf, but I, I was looking and I was like, you know, I never do any like crazy plus 5,000 parlay or anything like that. So I went to this game because I knew you, you liked the over. And I was like, I'm going to find something out here that I like. First one at plus 5,000, two infields for 600-plus throwing yards, which I had zero confidence in, but it's a long shot anyway, and six touchdowns. So I am golfing. I have red zone on in the cart. I get back to the cart, and I hear that both quarterbacks have three passing touchdowns. My stomach dropped. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. I might actually have a shot at this. Pull up my CBS app, look and see how many yards they have. They had like a, at the time they had like a combined 400, and they ended up with a combined 427. So, ended up not panning out for me. But for the the five dollars that I bet on that game was worth about the 30 seconds of thrill that I got <laughs> searching the CBS app to see if I had just made 250 bucks. <laughs> yeah, next time you gotta find that 600 plus total yards prop because you would have cleared that one rather easily. Probably Justin Fields been about plus. 300 plus or plus 3,000 right but, maybe a yeah, little lower I, I but agree. uh yeah for sure justin fields thinks throwing the ball is for suckers he uses his <laughs> legs because who needs to throw it when you can All run it the way he does Good uh, we'll, quarterbacks do that. <laughs> yeah we will uh, get to him in a second but starting with miami your boy to a t uh 302 yards three touchdowns in this one on 21 of 30 throwing the ball he looks great he has two elite weapons on the outside, and he throws it to them very often. We like that from a fantasy quarterback. Uh, rest of season, Cody, Tua or Justin Herbert? Um, so this is an interesting question. I think right now you have to go with Tua for this foreseeable future, again, until Herbert starts getting those weapons back. Um, and I think you can comfortably go with Tua probably rest of season, just – the weapons, unless there's any crazy injury, aren't going anywhere. He's still going to be throwing to probably two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. They have now a pretty good combo of running backs with Mostert and Wilson that we'll get into. So they can, they can keep moving the ball constantly, which just leads to more touchdown opportunities. I just have to go with Tua. The, the Chargers offense just – they couldn't do anything against a bad Falcons defense. So I just – I think that they're they're beat up right now. And, you know, Herbert's kind of taking the, the blunt end of that. So – I'm going to go Tua rest of the season. I hate to say that because that could definitely come back to bite me in the ass come playoff time. But right now, you, you have, I think you have to go Tua. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm taking Tua every day of the week right now. Uh, like you said, I think Herbert probably has slightly higher upside if everything pans out for him. But Tua is going to be a solid six through eight type of uh, you know rank ranking quarterback every single week. 
if Herbert gets his weapon weapons back and the offense kind of finds their groove, he could be more of a top five option. But uh, I don't like ifs in fantasy football. I know what I have in Tua, and that's a very, very solid starter. So I would go with him. Yeah. Um, the running backs is where I want to have a conversation, a little bit of an alarm bell going off here for Raheem Mostert owners. Only nine carries for 26 yards in this one. Did score early on, but uh, kind of took a backseat to Jeff Wilson later on in the game. He had nine carries as well for 51 yards. Also caught three balls for 21 yards and a score. Uh, this work was split pretty evenly, and uh, this was Wilson's first game. So I am pretty nervous if I'm a Raheem Mostert owner right now, Cody. What do you make of it? Yeah, um, I mean, in our little mini dynasty that we reference a lot, I did hold on to Wilson, which I was contemplating dropping. Um, Good call. A couple of weeks ago, when he was still with San Francisco, once the trade happened, you had to hold him. But I was, whenever they got CMC and Mitchell's on his way back, I almost considered dropping him. Held on, got lucky there, I think. But um, next week, I'd still go into the week with a little bit more confident in most uh, confidence in Mostert. But I think it's going to be a pretty big split. And if anything, if one of them is going to take over the backfield again, it's going to end up being Wilson. Um, so, I mean, Wilson might be a, a chance at a buy low target out there if you believe in that. But I think it's going to be mostly a split. That's the way that they kind of designed the run game in San Francisco when both those guys were there. Mostert's the big speed guy. Wilson's the not he's the smaller kind of quicker speed guy. Wilson's kind of that bigger back, the thumper. So I think they're kind of a good combo for each other. Um, just for fantasy, it's kind of gonna it's gonna be tough to play one of them. Um, you gotta hold on to them. Obviously, both have been injured before. Just kind of rough right now. I think I don't think either. I would I would try to not start either of them next week. They're just kind of hold and wait kind of guys right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing them both in the flex category for now, hoping that I get a little more clarity moving forward. But if it is just an even split, that uh, might just kind of ruin the whole backfield. And then you're looking at two kind of bi-week replacements rather than, you know, the solid RB2 you had in Mostert beforehand. But it, from a football perspective, it makes all the sense in the world for them to take some of the load off Raheem. He's been very injury prone in his career, and Wilson's a solid back. So there, it makes no sense for the Dolphins not to keep this up, especially because Wilson looked pretty good in his first game. Yeah. Um, before you move the rest on, of the, shout yeah, out Nick. He recommended Tyreek Hill for an MVP bet in the preseason. I thought he Thank was you, crazy. Buddy. Wide receivers don't win MVPs. I thought there's no shot after Cooper Cup did what he did last year and wasn't even really in that big of a consideration. What Tyreek Hill is doing should put him in MVP consideration for sure. Dude has completely changed that Miami offense just by adding one player. Completely changed the projection of two a T by just adding one player. He... I guess a Chiefs fan, seeing him ball out down there, like it sucks because I wish he was still a Chief because he's probably worth that $26 million contract, and he's kind of showing that. But, um, yeah, shout out Nick because he, he, right now, if he continues this pace and he's the first wide receiver to break 2K, he's going to have a real shot at that MVP. So if you if yeah, I think the one of those, that's not a bad bet, but still wide receiver is an MVP or a quarterback award, so. The award that I did recommend for him that I liked a little better is that Offensive Player of the Year award. I really think he could win that if he passes 2,000 receiving yards or you know break you know breaks a receiving record. That's kind of the award that they reserve for the uh, the skill position player that has the outstanding year usually, and then the the MVP goes to the quarterback. So I I think that Offensive Player of the Year bet might actually pan out. Uh, I I feel pretty good about that right now. 
Um, on the Chicago side, this is the uh, you know the, the the time in the show that I was looking forward to most. Justin Fields, my new darling, Justin Fields. 17 for 26, 123 through the air, but that's not the part that we came to talk about. Uh, did have three passing touchdowns, but 15 for 178 and one on the ground. He is uh, locked in for at least the next two weeks because he plays Detroit and Atlanta. Oh my God, I cannot wait to start him against those two teams, but he has the pota- uh, has the makings of a potential league winner, Cody. He's just been running a lot more lately. They're designing runs for him. He's scrambling more. Uh, you can just kind of tell that he is gaining confidence. And my goodness, is this man fast? He was sta- uh, the stat of the game here for for me is Justin Fields was clocked at 22.1 miles per hour on his 61 yard touchdown run. That's the fastest speed of any quarterback this season in any situation. Uh, would you be taking Tua or Justin Fields rest of season, Cody? So this is a very good discussion right now. Um, I think in a quick. Um, just a quick answer for you. I think Tua is a little bit safer just with the targets around him. He's not as self-reliant to be able to get his fantasy points. Like Fields is going to have to go probably rush for 10, 10 times a game to maintain uh, you know, the level of play he's at. Um, but he is on like a Lamar-esque, you know, when he was in his MVP season, kind of, you know, rushing ability right now. So, I mean, Fields' upside is definitely way higher than Tua because Tua doesn't run very much, if at all. So this is the part that I think is kind of interesting, and I'm kind of curious what you have to, uh, what you think about this. Right now, obviously, you know, Fields is crushing it. We'll see what he does, you know, in the upcoming weeks leading up. But in the fantasy playoffs, he will have a matchup in week one of the fantasy playoffs against Philadelphia in a week two matchup against Buffalo. Does that concern you at all about him being, you know, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out, but as you sit right now, would you be concerned if he had to play either of those two in a playoff scenario? Not ideal whatsoever. Um, I definitely, you know, don't love that, but if Justin Fields gets me to that point, you know, I think I'm pretty happy. Things change pretty quickly in the NFL as well with defenses and matchups, so I don't love to project that far out and, you know, with this sort of thing, I mean, we would would you have thought Justin Fields would have two good games uh, at New England and at Dallas uh, the past two weeks before this? Probably not, and he did. So I'm not really looking at the matchups here with Fields. Uh, I think those games, they could get down big, and then, uh, you know, he's going to be able to make up uh, that that in the garbage time like he had uh, against Dallas. That was kind of the, you know, the main, the meat of his fantasy performance came in that situation. So I am just going to be riding him until that point and kind of deal with those matchups when they come. Maybe, you know, hold on to whoever your starter is now just in case if you are really that worried about it. But I think you just, you might have found yourself a uh, locked in QB1 for the rest of the year. Yeah, Um, I I share that same sentiment. It's just, it is interesting because I was looking at it earlier because like, dang, Justin Fields could be a league winner. I wonder if he has a layup match in the playoffs. And I was like, damn, (laughs) Philly and Buffalo, not quite. (laughs) Not quite. But if you do get to that Week 17 championship matchup, he has his second matchup with Detroit in a dome in Week 17. So he could go ahead and win you your title game if you're able to make it there. Yeah. the rest of this Bears offense, the running backs were disappointing in this one. Montgomery, still the lead guy, had 14 carries and two targets, uh, heavily outsnapped Khalil Herbert. So 
we were, I guess, right on that one. Obviously, the fantasy day didn't really pan out, but he is definitely the lead guy until further notice. Khalil Herbert only seven for 23 in this one. Um, you know, the touchdowns just didn't go his way here. And then Mooney and Komet are both in play moving forward, in my opinion. Komet more of a streaming tight end, and Mooney probably a solid wide receiver three at this point. Eight more targets for him. Only seven for 43 for a touchdown, uh, but... You know, I think the, the involvement is kind of the thing that we're looking for here and just the fact that the Chicago offense looks so good and the defense looks so bad. That is the other big part of this, uh, you know, factor for the, the Chicago team and their fantasy options. Yeah, as someone who's held Mooney in our mini dynasty the whole season, I would have killed someone for seven for seven or eight targets at earlier in this season. I mean, this dude was getting absolutely nothing. So, yes, he's 100% a wide receiver three option, even – um, this is this is gonna be interesting. I just think this is gonna be you know see how high you want on Justin Fields. Would you want, rather have Mooney or Gabe Davis rest of season? Oh man, that is so close. Gabe Davis, I'm still gonna we'll take get to him, but when we get there, Gabe Davis, I'm kind of falling on. So I want to see. I want to hear your not um, not knowing uh, Josh Allen's status. If he is out for a week or two, I'm just gonna go ahead and make the pivot to to Mooney. But I I would still stick with Davis, assuming Allen is healthy next week. Again, I, I think. Uh, a long touchdown heals a lot of wounds when it comes to these type of big play guys. And, you know, Davis is just, he, he's one of those guys. He's Deshaun, he's Deshaun Jackson in today's age. And those are the type of guys that'll win you weeks and lose you weeks. But in the fantasy playoffs, the guys that win you weeks are the ones you want. So I, uh, I would probably still take Davis just for the passing offense, but it is very close. All right, cool. Carolina at Cincinnati, Cody. Uh, let's go ahead and pick up the pace a little bit here. We had a couple games that deserved some extended oh, extended sure. discussion, but these uh, next couple games really don't. So on the Carolina <laughs> side, uh, for Carolina-Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati won this one 42-21, and it was more lopsided than that. Uh, it was 35-0 at half, and Carolina just put up a complete dud. P.J. Walker's stat line in this game, 3-for-10 for 9 yards and 2 interceptions. His stat line pretty much tells you the story here. Uh, Terrace Marshall ended up with a garbage time touchdown, so he was okay, but total bust game from D.J. Moore and Devonta, or excuse me, Deonta Foreman. Uh, P.J. Walker will be the starter this Thursday against Atlanta, so I would be just fine throwing Foreman and more back in my lineup. Uh, I am, you know, I'm not necessarily confident. There's always the possibility of a dud with these guys because this team just is not very good. But uh, we we saw what happened two weeks ago against Atlanta. I would I would go ahead and take the bet on at least you know 60% of that coming my way with those guys. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that. I think if the the soft matchup against Atlanta makes Foreman and more uh, playable this week, just you know, sad because these kind of weeks are always possible whenever P.J. Walker slash Baker Mayfield slash Sam Darnold's your starting quarterback. So just got to kind of expect these boom-bust type players. Exactly, yeah. I think the, the biggest thing here is just fantasy assets on bad teams like this are always going to be prone to disappointing games. Just, you know, so there'll, there'll be some games where their team just does not move the ball at all. Yeah. I mean, on the Cincinnati side, this one is super easy. Uh, my stat of the game kind of tells it all. Joe Mixon had the eighth best non-PBR fantasy game of all time with 51.1 points, henceforth known as the Joe Mixon game. He had over 200 total yards and five touchdowns in this one, four on the ground, one through the air. And he really didn't leave much for anyone else because when one guy scores five, uh, there, you know, again, there's not a lot left over. Uh, an underwhelming day for Higgins and Boyd, uh, 7 for 60 for Higgins and 5 for 44 for Boyd, but not worried about them. Again, uh, when your running back scores five touchdowns, it's going to be tough for anyone else to really produce. 
Yeah, add Burrow to that disappointing list, but at least he threw one of those to Mixon, so didn't completely. He ran one in as well, so he did okay. Oh, did did okay. okay, not great, but that's not that's not bad. That's good then. Yeah, at least saved you there. Uh, but again, want to give Nick a shout out here. He did call a Alvin Kamara s squeaky wheel game for Joe Mixon, however you want to describe it. He delivered with five. So shout out Nick on calling that. I think you called it on our preview show. You said that in the next couple weeks, Joe Mixon's going to have a. A lot of positive regression coming his way, and he may have taken it all in one week, but good for him. That's that's huge for uh, for his fantasy value in general. He was probably slipping quite a bit up until this point. Similar to Josh Jacobs earlier this year, I think the lesson we can learn maybe here is that anytime you have a, a player, whether he is a great player or a good player or just an average one, he's getting a lot of touches on a good offense, and he's not producing – Go ahead and buy low on him because uh, efficiency, you know, is is always something that kind of comes back to the median, especially in good offenses. He was getting a ton of carries inside the ten, just wasn't cashing in on him, and he again all the positive aggression came back in one game uh, in this one. Yeah. Green Bay at Detroit is our next game. This one was an absolute stinker. Uh, Detroit won fifteen to nine. Uh, just an absolutely horrible game for the Green Bay side. My stat of the game, Aaron Rodgers threw two red zone interceptions for the first time in his career, and I believe both of those interceptions came within the five-yard line. So that, that's even that stat's even worse than it seems on its face. His third interception, it was just outside the red zone, but he threw the ball, and it was caught on the one. So you could almost say he almost got to three when he'd never been at two before. Kind of incredible, but... Aaron Rodgers, firmly in the streaming tier, if even that, these days. Um, I think you're pretty much just writing him off for fantasy until he shows you something. And then uh, the rest of the offense kind of disappointed as well. Lazard is the only guy that came through for, for 87 and a score. I think he's the only one I'm really comfortable starting right now. Aaron Jones, probably still in your lineup, but he is just basically always going to have a potential for a dud game. If you can't do it against Detroit, I'm not going to be too confident that you can do it against anyone else. I think you can – that last line you just said is the best way to sum up to, uh, Green Bay rest of season. Um, confidence just each week going in with these players. If you couldn't do it against Detroit, which everyone's doing it against Detroit, it's going to be tough to start you. Um, Alan Lazard, I mean, 10 targets I will take, um, and obviously did get in with the touchdown too. So I feel good with him. Um, a couple names I just want to bring up on this Green Bay side. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I – I don't even probably have him in the streaming tier. And, and, again, if you can't take advantage of this matchup, I don't want to deal with you. And I don't know. I I don't even want to get into the whole Aaron Rodgers saga. It's not worth it. Uh, running back A.J. Dillon. If Jones is to miss a week with his injury, Dillon obviously becomes a very startable asset. Um, definitely check your waiver wires. Make sure that he did not get dropped uh, last week or the week before. He has been pretty bad for fantasy in general, so – um, we even had said that he was droppable. So just double-check that. And then one other name I want to mention um, is Christian Watson, rookie rookie wide receiver, obviously with Dubs going down or Dobbs going down. Um, you just It's another opportunity for someone to step into the fold. He's been injured. He's been banged up. Obviously came back two games ago, got one catch, got concussed, was out, was out there last week, didn't really see what happened with him. So maybe – Maybe not the best pickup in the world, but maybe a stash candidate. Um, you know, it is Aaron Rodgers wide receiver. So if we ever get the Aaron Rodgers, who is the two-time back-to-back MVP, if we can get 80% of that, I mean, there's going to be a, some fantasy options on this team. So 
Just Christian one. Watson actually did receive another concussion in this game, Cody. So I would ex- I would anticipate oh, him missing a week at least, maybe game. two. Yeah. So uh, not Jeez. maybe not the worst stash pickup because again, you, uh, Dobbs is probably out basically the rest of the year. So they're going to need someone to throw the ball to. That's kind of why I'm a little more confident in Lazard. Uh, just I feel like he's going to be peppered with targets moving forward. He's the only one that's been you know relatively stable on the outside for the wide receiver core. Uh, yeah. And then. In- I just want to shit on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers one more time real quick. The Panthers and the Lions who just beat them are the only two teams in the NFC with a worse record. Pretty bad. As a Denver Bronco fan, uh, I've kind of taken a lot of solace in just rooting against people I don't like in the NFL. So watching Aaron Rodgers this year has been an absolute delight. I just, I am a very public, (laughs) and I am a very, very public Aaron Rodgers hater, and it has been an absolute delight to watch him absolutely crumble in the national spotlight. Not on the podcast either. I feel like it's it's never really come out before, so yeah. You know, I it's almost more of a I don't want to give him the time of day type of thing, but uh, there there will probably be an Aaron Rodgers rant at some point in later in this year. Uh, awesome. Just how happy it's made me to watch him suffer. Um, on the Detroit side, pretty dif- disappointing effort from the offense. I feel like it had a lot to do with the fact that the Packers were so inept because uh, this game play, uh, this game call got game calling got pretty conservative in the second half. That kind of just fed Jamal Williams over and over, and he was wasn't doing that much with those touches. 24 carries for 81 yards, did get in on a two-point conversion, so he had an okay day in uh, non-PPR leagues, kind of a a crummy one in uh, half and full, especially considering how many carries he got, but I think he's the RB you want here until Swift shows he can handle any sort of significant workload. Only two carries in this one, 10 yards, did have four targets, caught three of them for 40, but uh, that's just not enough for fantasy. I think you need to see it before you can put uh, put Swift back in your lineup. And then uh, kind of a, a, a down day, down game from Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm not worried about him at all. I think once they have to throw the ball a little bit more, he had nine targets in this one. I think he had something like a 35% target share. He's definitely a buy low candidate if you can go get him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he, he. I'm no concern about Amon Ross St. Brown. I actually have an update on Jamison Williams I looked up. Uh, last Wednesday, Coach Campbell said he is at least a month away from getting on the field still. Um, looks like Jamison Williams, at least to have fantasy value at this year, at this point, is pretty slim. Um, if you were stashing him in an IR spot, I think you can still do that in the hopes. But, you know, if you only have one IR spot and you have another player you want to stash and there's someone out there um, and it's it's just a complete redraft league, Williams now is I would consider him droppable at this point. Um, again, in, in just full redraft. Any kind of keeper or, you know, dynasty, obviously you're not. But any kind of keeper, they want to hold on to him. We may come back for the final couple of weeks of the year. May show you something worth keeping him for a late pick that you got him for. But uh, do you agree with that? Redraft probably worth dropping if you need to. Or he's just kind of just an IR stash still if you can. Yeah, if you have a better IR option, go ahead and drop him. I mean, you know, sometimes those are hard to come by, so I wouldn't drop him just for the sake of doing so. But, right. yeah, if that if that's true, that's a good bit there. I actually did not see that. So, uh, yeah, a month from now, again, ESPN you're, app. Uh, you're looking so. at a month from now would be week 12, week 13, and then, you know, you got to wait a week or two for him to get integrated, and there's just probably not enough time for him to be fantasy relevant. So I would go ahead and drop him and redraft if you have any other IR option you think might be useful. Yep. Um, 
Indy at New England is our next game. Cody, uh, shout out before we get started here. Absolutely nailed the underpick on this one. Uh, only 29 points combined. Sam Ellinger was determined to make sure Cody uh, hit his under here, and he did a very good job oh, of that. The stat of the game on the Indy side. Indianapolis went 0 for 14 on third downs. Is that good, Cody? It does not sound good. Uh, that is the second most in NFL history without a conversion. So a... Really, uh, almost historical level of ineptitude from the Indy offense. Uh, if that stat of the game wasn't enough for you, 121 total yards should tell you the rest of the story. Uh, that's just not going to get it done on the offensive side by any means. No one on this team, I think, can be started with any amount of confidence. That includes Jonathan Taylor, while Sam Ellinger is the starter, even against Las Vegas next week. I'm probably, I mean, I would probably recommend playing Taylor if he's back, but you're talking about a you know, a, a Jonathan Taylor that hasn't looked that great this year, coming off an ankle injury with this this situation on offense, it's an absolute dumpster fire right now. Yeah, I will say there were play there were people out there um, starting Deion Jackson in a lot of leagues this week. So if you're going to play Deion Jackson against New England, you're probably going to play Jonathan Taylor against their matchup next week. But I do share the same sentiment. Um, one, I'm just going to poop on the Colts one more time here. Um, Frank Reich was the only one out of the GM owner and head coach that did not want to start Sam Ellinger, and I think it's a pretty freaking clear why he didn't want to. Um, I, I'm, I'm again. I'm interested to see how big of a dumpster fire this place becomes. There's no way the players are going to be happy with Ellinger wasting away their season. Um, Matt Ryan was definitely old and and you know damaged goods by the time he arrived in Indianapolis, but at least he could throw for 350 yards and give your players some life. I mean, this is. I know it was against New England and Belichick did what he always does against young quarterbacks, but that's that's terrible. I mean, that. So the reason. The reason they sat Matt Ryan uh, was actually due to his contract situation. This probably speaks to the cheapness and ineptitude of their owner. Uh, but basically, if Matt Ryan were to get hurt at some point this year and not pass a physical by this March, his contract would become fully guaranteed for next year, and the Colts would owe him $35 million. So that is the main reason they are not going to put Matt Ryan out on the field because Jim Irsay decided that he's not his guy, and uh, he just did not want to owe him $35 million next year. So. Um, that, that is fair. I don't know I if that makes it better or worse, well, but I think you got to just play it out at that point, especially because you were three, three, and one. I mean, these were two winnable games that they just played against Washington and New England. You know, if you win both of those, you're right back at the playoff picture. So I, I think it's a it's a really sad move to watch watch a watch a GM or an owner just kind of you know punt on the season right in front of his players when you know I mean it you were not forced into trading for Matt Ryan. You know, you decided to do that. And you only gave him seven games to show you everything you wanted to see. So I think he probably should have stuck it out. But we'll see what ends Don't up happening. Uh, I think, yeah, this team is probably in contention for a top five pick. On the New England side, uh, they set a franchise record with nine sacks in this one. Three each for uh, Matthew Gita, Judon and uh, Josh Uche. So shout out to those two for having huge days for the defense. And they were the high scorer in fantasy for this one. Again, that should probably just... Tell you everything you need to know about how this game went. But uh, Ramondre Stevenson did fine for you. 15 carries for 60 yards, uh, 3 for 7 through the air, only 10 yards, but did score. So he came through, and you know I still have confidence starting him moving forward. And uh, I think him and Jacoby Myers are the only ones you're considering. Myers did not do much, but again, the, uh, the offense was not very necessary in this one. The, the Colts did not put up a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I still do have confidence, even with Harris probably coming back pretty soon. Um, 
I just don't think Stevenson has dominated enough to earn the full backfield. I think Harris will still be worked in in parts. Um, you know, there's a guy we're going to get to that's had a, coming off of a down week. Would you trade Damian Harris straight up for Josh Jacobs if you could get that deal done? You mean Ramondre Stevenson? Ramondre, yeah, of course, Ramondre. Why am I doing this today? <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson. I was going to say Jacobs, yes. I would take. Oh, I mean, I I would take that all day and twice on Sunday. I mean, I think I would give up Ramondre Stevenson and an asset to go get Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. pretty high on him as a player. We have been the whole year. Because if you have another buy low opportunity on Josh Jacobs, we'll go ahead and take it and look smart later in the year if they, uh, you know, if they keep presenting themselves. Yeah. I think the main thing, the main reason I like Stevenson moving forward is this passing game role he's got. Uh, seven more targets in this one didn't do too true. much with him, but he's been a good pass catcher. And if he can maintain, you know, five to seven targets, he's he's going to have value even if he ends up splitting carries with Harris. Uh, Buffalo at New York is our next game. The Jets pull off the stunner, twenty to seventeen in this one. Um, on the Buffalo side, a couple of tough games in a row for the offense. Uh, I'm not really worried about them. Uh, obviously, the only caveat there is just Josh Allen's injury, so we have to keep an eye on that. But if he comes back and he's fine, the Bills will be okay. This, this Again, this just happens in football. You're not going to be great every week. Uh, the Bills went through a similar downstretch last year, and they turned it on when they needed to. Uh, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, there was there was a point last year where we were all wondering if Patrick Mahomes was still the same guy. So things happen in the NFL. Uh, the Bills will be just fine. Uh, Singletary, Devin Singletary is the one guy I would actually have a legitimate worry about in fantasy moving forward. Eight carries, 24 yards, four for five through the air, another 24 yards. Just seems like he's kind of turning back into the guy he was last year. A lot of empty touches, not a ton of goal line work. And, uh, you know, the, the pass catching is okay but not elite enough to sustain him as a fantasy option all on its own so i think that's the one guy that might have kind of you know maybe changed my opinion on uh moving forward i think he's probably more of a flex option than a back-end rb2 do you have any disagreements there yeah i think i think that's completely right i think he's kind of a boom bust option but with a limited ceiling so it's not even really a boom it's he can have a, a solid week or he could kind of bust for you so yeah, I mean, he's kind of just a, a flexible option, but you know that the, ultimately he's probably going to be capped at, you know, 12 to 15 PPR points, depending on if he can maybe, you know, sneak a touchdown or two. And then the other guy that I want to talk about here is Gabe Davis. Uh, we obviously had a slight disagreement on his value moving forward earlier in the pod, so we, we sort of already hit on this point. We don't have to belabor it, but Davis, uh, two for 33 in this one on five targets. This is just kind of the receiver he is. He's uh, he's Deshaun Jackson in this day and age. Like I said, he's going to have down games. If there's three in a row, I get it. But um, you know, he could easily catch a long touchdown or two next week, and you're going to forget all about these down games that he had because he's going to win you a fantasy week. So, if, you know, if you have, I think he is a good player to have in your flex or in your wide receiver two spot if you have other solid options around him and you can kind of sustain yourself uh, during his down weeks. Uh, I get it if you want to move off him. It just kind of depends on how you you know see fantasy football and how you want your team to be constructed. But I'm okay having one of these type of guys in my lineup as long as I have uh, solid guys around him that you know aren't going to dud week to week. Yeah, I think you hit on the key thing right there, and that's if you have um, solid guys around them. So if Gabe Davis is like your locked and loaded wide receiver two, um, and you had a couple other you know iffy wide receivers in both or in one of your flex spots or in both if you're in a two flex league, then at that point I'm probably trying to trade Davis to try and get a more solid wide receiver two or trying to make one and make Davis more of a flex player. Um, just 
you know, I think you highlighted it perfectly. If you're on a team where Davis is a just a flex and you have a good team around him, then yes, he is a great player for fantasy football. If he's a guy that your team is going to rely on to put you points up every week, I would probably look to include him in a two-for-one and try and go out there and get yourself a higher-end wide receiver too, someone who's going to be a little bit more consistent. Um, so definitely a little bit situational there. But I think Gabe Davis is a guy I would consider moving on for if the right package, or if I can make the right package work and include him to go get a better asset. Um, on the Jets side of things, uh, the stat of the game comes from their wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he had eight catches on nine targets for 92 yards in this one. He played 43 of his 57 snaps on the outside, his most snaps out wide yet this year, and it led to uh, quite a bit of production here. Uh, Eli Moore has kind of faded. Corey Davis is hurt. And Denzel Mims is not anywhere near enough competition for me to uh, not get excited about what I saw from Wilson against a tough Bills defense. So uh, you obviously have to buy this next week, and then you're at New England. He actually just had a pretty good game against them, and then the schedule opens up quite a bit after that. So I am pretty happy to start Garrett Wilson. Uh, would you rather have him or Gabe Davis rest of season in a redraft? Oh, that, see, that's a good one right there. Because I think Garrett Wilson may actually be a safer play on a week-to-week basis. Um, For sure. But I don't think that he's kind of like that, that uh, you know, locked and loaded wide receiver two type that I think Gabe Davis you could probably still get um, for maybe him in a, in a lesser asset. So I think Gabe Davis um, in the right role rest of season. But if I had to have someone locked into my lineup every single week, um, it would be Garrett Wilson because ultimately I think he's going to uh, to get right around these eight to ten targets and really I mean once he gets the ball in his hands he can really move with it well so he can always uh, pop a play. Um, my only hesitation with fully going in on Wilson is Zach Wilson, his quarterback. So absolutely, um, that's one side with Gabe Davis. If you wanted to go the Gabe Davis route and simply just say Josh Allen, I can't argue with you with that. That I could totally understand that side of it. Yeah, I think these two wide receivers kind of present an interesting contrast. Uh, I think, yeah, like you said, Garrett Wilson's going to be the much safer play week to week. He's going to see his 8-10 to 10 targets, and he's probably not going to dud very often, especially as his schedule gets better in the second half here, but might not have uh, the upside that Davis does with Josh Allen as his quarterback, like you just mentioned. Um I think Zach Wilson is kind of the reason I'm not necessarily buying the Jets as a whole either. Uh, I just want to touch on that before we get to the running back section. Uh, I'm not sure I'm sold on the New York Jets as contenders moving forward. Good win for them. Good to see this franchise heading in the right direction. But until Zach Wilson shows me something, I just can't believe in them as a legit contender in the playoffs. Uh, good game for both the running backs in this one, too. Uh, Michael Carter, 12 for 76 and a touchdown. Caught a ball for 10 yards as well. James Robinson, 13 for 48. Caught two passes for five yards, but scored on one of them. Uh, both of them were usable, but uh, I think that this even of a split kind of spells trouble for both of them moving forward. I'm not expecting this uh, Jets running game to be this successful each week, even though it was against a good defense in Buffalo. I would probably try to trade either one of these guys if you can right now. It's going to be tough since they're moving into a bye and then they play at New England, but I just don't know if I'm going to be comfortable starting them week to week in my fantasy lineup. But it was good to see that they are, you know, they at least have some potential usability. Yeah, so I share that that similar sentiment with you. Um, and I do think it's going to be tough to trade these guys because they are, they are coming up on a bye. So, um, you know, that is kind of a big, a big component of that. But, 
you know, would you consider these guys droppable? Um, you know, they're both kind of iffy players that you're, you're not going to feel too confident putting in your lineup, and you're going to hold them through a bye if you don't. Um, so I just want to – I do have uh, James Robinson in the league, so it's kind of, you know, a guy asking for some help here. Do you, do you think he's worth dropping, or are you, you okay holding him through a bye if you're not going to play him? What's your fantasy philosophy on that, and then what do you think in this situation? I think I would try to trade them before I would drop them. Uh, I just I think that someone in your league is going to value them enough to maybe give you an asset on them. Uh, but if you can't get anything for them and you know you have to drop one, I would be more comfortable dropping Robinson just because I don't really see a ton of upside there. Michael Carter actually might be a decent player and you know might be the one guy out of these two that could emerge as the, the more of the one A rather than the the one B. So I think Carter I would definitely hold uh, Robinson if you absolutely have to drop in a shallow league. I don't mind it, but I would try to trade him first. Okay. Sounds good. Go ahead and take it away, Minnesota at Washington, Cody. Oh, yeah, here we go. Minnesota at Washington. Minnesota squeaks out the win 20-17. to uh, Nick's stat of the game, TJ Hawkinson played 91% of snaps and received nine targets, 22.5% target share. Um, you know, probably up there with some of the highest target shares he ever had in Detroit. So good for him. This may be just a an overall great move. Um, but... Uh, for everyone else on Minnesota, you're you're pretty happy with their performance. They all kind of expected or performed as expected. Uh, not too many big movers up and down. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't look too great on the ground, but he got in the end zone through the air. So you're you're happy overall with his performance. Um, but you know, very easy for me on Minnesota side. Good teams win. Great teams cover. This is a good team, but they just cannot blow out teams that they should be way better than. They just seem to always play to the level of their competition. So, um, like in this game, I think we probably could have expected a couple more touchdowns by their offense. Maybe not a couple, but, you know, at least another one probably. And you just, you know, probably maybe don't expect that when they're playing lesser competition. They like to play down. Yeah, they scored on their first drive, looked great, and then their next seven drives resulted in zero points. I just don't think a great team goes seven straight drives against the Washington Commanders and doesn't score. That's that's a red flag for me. I know they came through in the fourth quarter, but uh, yeah, in a playoff situation, I don't think that's going to cut it. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson's the biggest story for me. Nine catches, like you just mentioned, 70 yards. Not an incredible fantasy day, but just kind of shows that his floor might be a little higher than it was in Detroit. Uh, I think he's locked in as a solid starter for uh, tight end position, especially in any sort of PPR format. Oh, moving up, maybe perennial tight end six, maybe five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he might up there. <laughs> might have to move him up a spot, uh, so we'll see. But I, I, I just liked what I saw from Hawkinson. I, I did too. It was good to see that. I mean, he, he has the makings to be an elite fantasy tight end, given the opportunity. So, I mean, we may, we may see a Hawkinson kind of breakout in Minnesota when – Detroit may have just never used him correctly, but we will see how right. that We need out. more elite tight ends, so please, please, yeah, please do. Yeah, definitely down for it. Um, but overall, on the Washington side, just a meh performance, which is – you can expect some inconsistency with Taylor Heineke as the quarterback of your football team. Um, and like Nick pointed out here, a ref-assisted Hail Mary touchdown. That was on my red zone while I was at my golf cart on Sunday. <laughs> definitely saw that thing. That was pretty bad. Um, but McLaurin didn't play great. He's still the number one, um, overall, you know, rest of the season. He's the, he's the guy in the wide receiver room that I want. Uh, Samuel is still a lower end flexible option. Don't love it. But if you have to put him out there, I understand. 
And in the running back room, uh, Gibson is the guy that I think both of us recommend that you want. Biggest component to that is McKissick. Uh, the injury is, looks like it's going to be a longer, um, longer absence than originally expected, which means Gibson uh, could maintain the third down back, the passing down, um, passing down work, and he's been getting you know ten to twelve carries a week. So if that maintains, you know he's a back end RB two for PPR. He's the guy you want. Um, and right now with you know with Robinson, I mean I would probably consider him droppable just because he's not going to get a lot of work in the passing game, and this offense isn't going to be good enough to put him on the goal line enough for him to get easy touchdowns. Yeah, I think the the main point on the Gibson part there is that uh, this you know the, the Commanders actually had a positive game script in this one, which you probably would not have expected coming in. They were leading most of the time, so I think moving forward, if they're you know find themselves in some more negative game scripts, maybe next week at Philadelphia, wouldn't expect them to be winning that game for very long. Um, Gibson could see a lot more targets, and then in any sort of PPR yeah. format, could be pretty valuable, especially if he's also getting those ten to twelve carries to help his baseline. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I think I think on these guys just in general, I'm gonna I'm just you know holding them, maybe selling them. I'm not gonna go out and try and trade for any of these guys at this point. Um, if you can get any value in a trade for them, I think that that's an option. I just I think Heineke has a chance to be the guy the rest of the season, and just these kind of games are gonna be expected, and I just don't want that to be in my lineup come playoff time. So just just a tidbit. There. I think. Um, do you think Carson in a Woods deeper league, what, what do you think? I I don't know about the quarterback situation. Okay. I'm not sure it really matters for these options, honestly. I think McLaurin is the only option you're looking at that you would maybe change your mind on. McLaurin and Samuel, I think you'd move down McLaurin a little bit, Samuel a little bit up if uh, if Carson Wentz comes back. But the, yeah. the running backs wouldn't change my opinion too much on either one of them. And I would probably actually call Gibson a buy low. I, just, I feel like his value is probably close to nothing right now. And I think you could actually have yourself a a back-end RB2. I've always liked the player. I think he's solid. It just doesn't seem like his coaching staff likes him that much. But, I mean, if they are forced to use him because McKissick is out, he could actually be relatively valuable. And, again, I think the Commanders will be losing a lot more than they'll be winning this year. And, you know, if, if, if Gibson's uh, getting five to seven targets on top of ten carries every week, it's going to be hard for him to be, you know, at not uh, anything, anything lower than a back-end RB2 in PPR, which is probably higher than his value is currently. But, uh, you know, not, not, a, not, not pounding the table saying go by uh, Antonio Gibson, but if you're struggling very badly at the running back position, you need a fill-in, he's an option. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Anybody who's watched Gibson play football will probably tell you that they like the way he plays. He's a pretty good football player in general. But moving on, Las Vegas at Jacksonville. Congrats, Nick. Nailed the Jacksonville plus two and a half in our best bets. Jacksonville ended up winning 27-20. to 20. I personally hit a little parlay, Jacksonville money line and the under, which was 47 and a half. So thank you for no points being scored for basically the whole fourth quarter. Much appreciated from my wallet. But on the well Las done. Vegas side, yeah, I love it. Stat of the game, uh, 66 of 67 Josh Jacobs rush yards came after contact. It means you got a pretty bad offensive line. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 17 <laughs> rush attempts, 67 yards, 3 for 3 through the air for 20 yards. Another down game, but his play has not been the issue. If someone will sell him to you at an RB2 price, take it all day. Like I mentioned earlier, Stevenson for Jacobs is something that you may be able to get done. I would potentially try that. Um, yep. And the, I think, yeah, we both we both share the sentiment on Jacobs. And one thing I just want to point out before I move to the thing 
if you go trade for him, you know, and you make that Stevenson deal for for instance, worst case scenario, you got the for sure number one guy in this backfield. Like no doubt, locked and loaded rest of season, unless there's an injury, he's going to be he's going to be the main guy back there. And come playoff time, you don't want to have one of these situations where your you know your RB one can be getting sniped at the the goal line. And someone could be taking touchdowns from him, a la Kareem Hunt to a Nick Chubb or a Jamal Williams to DeAndre Swift. But that was a tangent for, you know, no reason, I guess. But Devontae Adams on the receiving side. Nick, you have a good stat here. First nine targets, nine for nine, 146 yards, two touchdowns. Looked like he was going to break fantasy records to start the game. And then finished his last eight targets with one reception for zero yards. So... Derek Carr in a nutshell. Um, anything else? <laughs> yep. And then Waller, no sighting. Uh, man, just kind of a draft bust at this point, and uh, just a bust given he was given a new contract this past offseason. So whatever's going on, hope everything's going well. Hope he can get back to playing football. But, man, you're a streaming tight end right now when you spent a draft pick on someone on a lock and loaded position. That is tough to see. Yeah, definitely tough for Waller. Hopefully he can get back on the field at some point this year and get healthy. But, uh, yeah, I think just buy low on Josh Jacobs. And uh, that, that Derek Carr stat is – if that doesn't Derek describe Carr. Derek Carr, I don't know what does. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Jacksonville side, we're back, baby. My Jacksonville fan wagon, we're back on it. Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> 25 for 31, 235, six rushes for 53 yards. Did lose a fumble because he's Trevor Lawrence and finds a way to do that pretty often. Uh, but I am encouraged by the 53 rushing yards. Um, um, hopefully, he can just learn how to hold on to the football when he's running. Um, I actually didn't see if he lost that fumble. Was it a strip sack or while he was running? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He does lose the football uh, more often than you would prefer from a number one overall pick. But um, ETN, absolutely monster game. I actually just traded for ETN in a league where I needed a running back, and he carried me to a win this week. 28 rush attempts, 109 yards, two touchdowns, two for two through the air for 17 yards. Um, I, I'm very happy to have him on my team. Um, it's probably going to be pretty hard. I mean, you're going to be trading a you know wide receiver one for an RB1 or RB1 straight up for an RB1. I don't think people are going to be looking to get rid of ETN uh, anytime soon now that he has established himself in that backfield. Um, but, you know, uh, I guess my, my only question mark for this Jacksonville team is Christian Kirk. Um, rest of season, I mean, he's coming off a pretty solid game this week. Do you have him just locked and loaded as a wide receiver too? Or, you know, is he, I think that we kind of got maybe a little too high on him earlier, called him a locked and loaded wide receiver too, probably back end wide receiver two to wide receiver three range. Is that where you see him at? Yeah, I don't want to react too much to this game. Vegas is a really easy, easy matchup. matchup. He did have a good, yeah. did have a good game. Uh, he's been pretty matchup dependent so far this year, so I think that's something we can just kind of keep an eye on moving forward. But I would, I'd probably call him more of a, like you said, back end wide receiver two, high end three, uh, rather than the a solid two, but definitely a solid asset uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you can maybe go up and get some wide receiver two value for Christian Kirk, uh, maybe worth doing that. So I'm going to ask you my Gabe Davis line, Christian Kirk, Gabe Davis, rest of the season. That is another fantastic line uh, because I think it mirrors that Garrett, Garrett, 
Exactly, exactly. Mirrors that Garrett Wilson line we gave earlier. Christian Kirk, definitely the safer play. Uh, Davis, the more higher, the higher upside play. Probably depends on the construction of your team. I think in a vacuum, I uh, again, that's just the type of fantasy owner I am. I'll take Davis. I want the upside, and I, uh, you know, I just want the weak winning ability. But I wouldn't blame you if you took uh, Christian Kirk. It's it's pretty close one way or another for me. So I, I probably wouldn't argue with you. Yeah. Fair enough, absolutely. Um, all right, moving on here. Seattle at Arizona. Uh, unfortunately, Nick's only loser here hit the over three touchdowns, scored in the fourth quarter to steal that one from you. I was watching it the whole time, and I was like, this is yeah. an easy under game. I mean, yeah, it was gracious. It was three touchdowns in the last eight minutes of the third quarter as well. So definitely a bad beat there, but I can't say I'm too upset. I'll let you, uh, you know, take the preview here. But my boy Kenneth Walker got two of those touchdowns. Spoiler alert! So uh, yeah, Nick was sure. not too upset watching the end of that game. It did hurt a little bit, but uh, you know, it, you, you you can't win them all. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Gino, another solid week for a streamer candidate, 26 for 34. So, again, really good completion percentage from him. 275 yards, two for one in the TD to interception ratio, and six rushes for 38 yards. So, has a little bit of a rushing floor, which is always nice from a streaming option. Walker, he's that guy. Uh, two or 26 rush rushing attempts, 109 yards for two touchdowns, three for four through the air, 420 yards. Um, I'm going to let you talk about your guy with your stats of the game there in just a second. Um, but I do want to touch on a couple other, the pass catchers, Lockett, Metcalf, both got in the end zone rough, you know, if they don't get in the end zone, a little bit of a down day, but got in, saved them. You're happy with both. They're both good options moving forward still. And then Fant, he's got uh, my, uh, you can get into Kenneth Walker, but first with Fant, uh, five for six, 96 yards, any confidence in the former Bronco, or do you see this still as a, a Fant Disley split that you don't want any part of? Yeah, absolutely zero. I actually have not looked into the snap share. I mean, if, if Fant has maybe emerged as an 80% snap guy, then I could be I convinced. But the Arizona Cardinals absolutely give it up to the tight end position. So uh, I'm not I'm not really looking at this at all and seeing any sort of actionable, you know, advice moving forward here with Fant. I think he's, you know, not even on the streaming radar. If he has a couple more weeks like this, we can talk about it. But we need to see more. Yeah, and absolutely. then uh, do you want hey, me to take hey, the, yeah, the hey, Kenneth Walker at, piece hey, of this? Of the game. Yeah, get your boy. Yes, you know? this this is my second favorite part of this podcast. I was looking forward <laughs> to. Okay, so Kenneth Walker the third. Obviously, you just laid out. He had a great day. Uh, this is his last five games for you, Cody. This is my stat of the game. 96 carries, 512 yards, seven touchdowns. Is that good? That sounds pretty good. Uh, that 17 game pace would equate to 326 carries for 1,740 yards and 24 touchdowns. Kenneth Walker III, probably the number one running back in Dynasty right now and uh, number one in my heart for sure. So I'm uh, pretty happy to have him on my um on my keeper team, I did give up a hefty price to get him, including one Travis Etienne that we just talked about. So that's a little disappointing, but I, I love the fact that he is uh, he's on my team. And again, I think probably the number one running back in dynasty formats right now moving forward. Uh, and that, that stat that I just gave, that includes the New Orleans Saints game where he only received eight carries. So um, he is a very good player and is absolutely locked in as an RB1 uh, the rest of the year. And he actually got four targets in this game as well. He had a fifth target that was called back due to a penalty on a screen they designed for him. My goodness, Cody, if they can if they can throw him the ball four to five times a game, this dude is just going to go insane. But uh, would you call him a top five running back rest of the season? 
Uh, it's hard not to at this point, especially when you see guys that you know that you also included in that trade in uh, Dalvin Cook, kind of stinking it up with his rushing attempts. So, um, and some other guys out there as well. I mean, some names that you're going to have to put up there with them: CMC, uh, Derrick Henry for sure. I think Kenneth Walker you can put up there. Um, but I mean, after that, I mean, it, so I let's let's three, go let's, through. Who, let's who go through the list real quick. Who are we taking above Kenneth Walker? So CMC, right. I'll probably I'll seed that one. We'll take CMC over him. Uh, Austin yeah. Eckler, probably take Eckler. Yep, Eckler. Um, and then uh, who was the other one you just gave? Henry. I think Derrick Henry oof, and Walker that's are close. very similar. I think that, that's, that's close. the line for me is Derrick Henry, and that's what I mean. I'm taking I, Walker. I think, I think Walker's a better – he's on a better offense. And, again, I think his pass catching has more potential. I'm not saying it's going to be better, but we kind of know what Derrick Henry is from a pass catching standpoint, and that's a pretty much a zero. So if Kenneth Walker can get – you know, start, start actually getting involved in the passing game. They were designing plays for him this week. Super exciting to see. If they if he can, then he will, you know, he's just going to have a little bit more upside than Derrick Henry. And I think his offense is better. So I, I would take Kenneth Walker just ahead of Derrick Henry. And then the other guy I think that we obviously have to ask about is Saquon Barkley. I This might be controversial, but I'm going Kenneth Walker, Cody. I, I know he's, he's on two of my teams. I'm probably very biased here. But, again, I think a better offense and uh, just to somebody that's going to have more week-to-week consistency because of that. Well, here's one thing and one argument you can have for Kenneth Walker over Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I would take Geno Smith over Daniel Jones every single day. Exactly. And the, and the other options in Seattle, that's what we were talking about. I'm blanking on who we were talking about earlier, but I'm talking about when you're on a good offense as a running back and you're just, you know, you have DK hitting a deep bomb or, or Tyler Lockett hitting a deep bomb, that gives your running back so much more opportunities at those valuable targets. And Kenneth Walker is probably going to have those because this team looks like they're probably, they're not probably because 49ers are close, but have a chance to win this division. So they're going to be playing hard rest of the season. I love Kenneth Walker. Um, I think he's right there on that Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley line. I can understand you wanting to take them. I do think you may be slightly biased because you're an owner, but I do understand why. There's logical reason behind it. Um, one thing, Kenneth Walker, I think um, uh, to kind of give him a little bit of props over one of the guys that we had just talked about, Travis Etienne, that's kind of in a similar situation. Uh, Travis Etienne, my nickname for him is he is the Slim Reaper, man. He looks small when he is running through NFL linemen, which – Probably bodes well for him because he gets through some holes, but he is not very big. Kenneth Walker looks like a man out there for sure. Um, kind of Derrick Henry-esque when he's running around on the field. So I, I, I'm i with you. I think the Kenneth Walker hype for sure is, is at an all-time high and deservingly so. Yeah, he does not shy away from contact. We can go ahead and move on from this conversation. I yeah. have two more names I want to give you on Kenneth Walker, see how you feel about those two, and then uh, just quick answers there, and then we can move on. For Joe sure. Mixon, Nick Chubb. Would you take either one of those guys over Kenneth Walker? So I'm taking Kenneth Walker over Joe Mixon for sure. Obviously coming off the 5-TD game, hard to say that, but it is what it is. I think week-to-week consistently, consistency, I'm going to take Kenneth Walker. Um, uh, and then Nick Chubb. Um, this is what this is what I mean. It's hard for me to say Nick Chubb just because Kareem Hunt gets tonight touchdowns from him at, at any given week. So um, I, I would potentially, I'd probably lean Kenneth Walker there just because he's the unquestioned guy in Seattle at this point moving forward. You already know my answer. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you back. All right, Arizona. <laughs> Kyler Murray, 25 for 35, 175, two touchdowns, eight rushes, 60 yards, did have a fumble loss as well. Didn't, wasn't great. Saved his fantasy day with the rushing upside and did get two touchdowns, so not terrible. 
Uh, Connor, I think he's the guy for sure you want in the backfield. Only seven attempts, but got 45 yards, five for five through the air for 19. Um, and then the receivers for Hopkins, I mean, I'm not, you know, air, you know, just probably arrowed down a little bit just because he was so high coming into this week. And then Rondale Moore, big time arrow up. Uh, they seem to be using the slot role quite often with him. So um, in PPR league specifically, he should have some pretty good value moving forward. Um, probably a little bit under that, would you say probably a little bit under that Gabe Davis tier, Christian Kirk tier, probably wide receiver three moving forward? Yeah, I was going to say, I call him in PPR leagues pretty much exclusively. Non-PPR, I'm not really in on more at all, but in any, in a half or full PPR, I would call Rondale Moore a wide receiver three, and then those Davis, Kirk, Wilson, those type of guys are like two threes, uh, high threes, low twos. Yeah, all right. We're on the same page there. And then you have anything about Kyler, uh, Connor, or Hopkins? I feel like all those guys either maintained or maybe Connor just arrow up. Um, Eno probably not worth uh, even, you know, potentially starting next week at all. Yeah, he's just a handcuff at this point. Connor looks like he's going to be the guy. This was his first week back from injury, and he dominated the touches. Um, and, yeah, like Hopkins, he came back to earth a little bit, but I'm not worried about him. They, the Seattle defensive line kind of surprisingly completely dominated this uh, Arizona offensive line. That's not very good, but Seattle's defensive line has not been great at creating pressure so far this year either. So that was a little surprising to see. Kyler really had no time to let anything develop downfield, so that hurt Hopkins. But, uh, again... If that's going to be the case the rest of the year, the slot roll will get peppered with targets. Rondale Moore saw a ton of them in this one, caught eight balls for 69 yards. He's a wide receiver three in TPR formats. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Los Angeles Rams at Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an absolute barn burner. Tampa Bay squeaked out a win in Tom Brady-esque fashion, 16-13. to 13. Questionable call leads to a uh, – uh, I don't know if it's necessarily questionable, but Tom Brady gets the call and ends up scoring a touchdown to win the game. Uh, I think semi-effectively ending the Rams' season. I mean, with the way their team football team looks right now, it's going to be hard for them to see them turn it around to the point to making the playoffs, but there is still a lot of season left. We'll see what happens. Fantasy-wise here, Stafford, to me, is no longer a streaming option. O-line is way too bad, and he is just constantly under pressure. And he just doesn't operate well when he is under pressure quite a bit. So if you he is a name out there where you see Matt Stafford, you see those Rams, and you just think back to last year and some of the numbers he put up, and there's going to be people out there picking up and playing them. Don't be one of them. There's other options that we will mention on our preview show that you should start. Um, in the backfield, um, Henderson and Cam Akers both got involved. I know Ronnie Rivers was active. I don't know if he got a carry or not, but – None of these guys in the backfield really are any quality fantasy options. Uh, Kyron Williams should play in this upcoming game. Um, he was a game time, or not maybe not quite the game time decision, but was ruled out Saturday or Sunday. Um, so uh, him coming back it just leads to more questions. He'd be the only guy I want long term, but it's really just a hold to see if something can happen there. Um, and then cup and bust in the receiving and tight end, tight end room. Got to make different options. At, uh, other than Higby at tight end, his uh, PPR floor came to an ultimate screeching halt this week with a complete zero in all formats. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy. Cup is really the only guy that's even startable on this team right now, yeah. and he is very startable. He's incredible at football, and I don't know how he continues to do this week to week where the Rams basically do nothing on offense, but he still somehow at the end of the day ends up with 100 in the score. Uh, he's very good, but 
Yeah, I mean, Daryl Henderson showed a little bit of a pulse this week, but even through that, he ended up with, what, 5.3 fantasy points? It's just, it's it's really ugly right now. They can't run the ball at all consistently. Uh, yeah, you you got Cooper Cup, keep playing him. That's about it. Yep, for sure. All right, the Tampa Bay side, uh, the inept offense continues and probably shouldn't even try to run the football at this point. Leonard Fournette, nine rush attempts for 19 yards. Uh, saved your day five for seven through the air for 41 yards um, if you're in a PPR format. Rashad White, eight attempts for 27 yards. Seemed to be kind of going to a split between those two in the backfield. Uh, he also had three catches for seven yards. Um, I'll, let, I'll let Nick get into the stat of the game because I do like that there real quick. Uh, yeah, speaking to the you know the the point on your uh, rushing side of things, it's not great for Tampa Bay. How not great is it? Well, it's this not great. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are averaging 64.4 rushing yards per game so far this year. That would be a full two yards lower than the next worst rushing offense in the history of the NFL since the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. That was the 2000s Chargers. They averaged 66.4 yards per game. Cody, that is pretty bad. I would say so, absolutely. Um, like I said, look, luckily if you're in a PPR format, uh, Fournette's at least getting some work through the air, but not uh, you know not overly inspiring what you're seeing down there. I almost made no. a trade for Fournette. The guy did back out, but um, kind of lucky for you. Ended up not making that trade. I may be out of the play. I'm gonna have to rattle off some wins to have a chance of winning in that, or getting in the playoffs. But I'm probably better than having Fournette on my team. All right, Evans and Godwin also had rough weeks. Uh, Scotty Miller actually oh, led the team in receptions. That's rough. Um, I, I'm just going to start with Scotty Miller. I don't think he's probably worth adding just about any no. league. This is probably just a complete, you know, done or just forget about one off for sure. One off, thank you. Uh, Evans and Godwin had rough weeks, like I had said. Um, Evans five for eleven for forty yards. Godwin seven for ten for thirty six. So they are getting their targets for sure. Um, just, you know, they're typically covered pretty well, and Brady's just not hitting them like he has been. Um, I just – I kind of want to get your feel on these guys. Are, are you buying these guys, trying to sell these guys, or just hold if you have them and, and hope things turn around? Yeah, I think I'm done recommending them as buys. I've been doing it for a few weeks, and it has not worked out for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if they're just holds at this point, you can't sell them at you know the bottom basement price that you'd be selling them at right now. And again, I think that what this is just kind of what we talked about with Mixon earlier. Uh, you might the, the Buccaneers are not a good offense right now, so it might not necessarily apply. But guys that are getting this much opportunity usually turn it around, and I don't know where they could go other than these two guys. So I think they're still. Even if they are this inefficient the rest of the year, they're still going to get this many looks each game because it's their best. It's Tampa's best option to have a you know a legit team moving forward. They need these guys to get going, and they're going to give them every opportunity to do so. And uh, yeah, I think they're just going to keep getting peppered with targets until they do. And like I said earlier, opportunity is uh, you know usually more important than talent in the NFL and especially in fantasy uh, for our production. So I think we'll have some better weeks ahead for these guys if they keep getting looks. It's just it is ugly right now. Yeah, it is hard to buy them. I guess if you are going to, they are pretty low, but I'm not going to recommend doing so. Um, Evans, you may be able to sell on some name value, maybe be able to get a little bit more out of him than what he has produced for, but I agree. I think ultimately they're holds because you don't want to sell them low, and right now 
You might be able to buy him low, but it's it's just the offense isn't looking good. I don't think that's the kind of investment you necessarily want to make um, leading into the playoffs for your fantasy league. But uh, Kate Otten is another name I just want to mention here. I think he is streamable next week. The Seahawks also love to give it up to the tight end position. So if you've been a Kate Otten uh, guy, I think next week becomes the first week that I personally will be on board with uh, having him as a streaming option. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to throw the ball this much, and I think they will continue to do so, it's you know yeah. there's there's a lot of targets to go around here. So a tight end, you know, Tom Brady likes throwing it to his tight ends, and K. Dotton is his starter right now. He's played pretty well, looks like a decent option. So uh, yeah, like you said, Seattle a great matchup for tight ends. I'd be okay streaming him next week. All right, here we go. My my money maker of Sunday: Tennessee at Kansas City. Another beautiful Casey call by you, Cody. This was out. a cover a cover all the way through, so very good yeah. call on that one. Shout out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a little bit of a story, then we'll get in because I know we are running long, so I appreciate you all hanging out with us. Uh, so actually, so I did bet this plus 12.5 and, and plus 14 before the game started. Um, again, just Tennessee plays the Chiefs tough, probably tougher than any team besides Buffalo. And um, so obviously playing real tough. I knew this was going to be a close game. But halfway, or you know, right before the Chiefs scored to, to make it a tie game, they were still down by eight. You can get Chiefs on plus money on the money line. I ended up getting it plus one thirty. So I hit oh, the Titans twice on the plus uh, or on the plus points, and then ended up taking Chiefs money line for some plus money halfway through the fourth quarter. Nice little money making day for me and my Chiefs. Um, but we are here for some fantasy football. We're going to give you a stat Round of, of applause, Cody. Yeah, let's give it a Round of applause. That's some beautiful, sure. beautiful betting right there. Just just excellent. You hit both sides of it, got the cover on the line, and then you won on the money line on the back side. That, that's how it's done right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. And I, I don't know. I was a little nervous coming down the home stretch, especially when it got to overtime just because, you know, the Chiefs are prone to kind of losing a game they shouldn't, uh, a la the Colts game earlier this year. But – uh, when, uh, once once they kicked that field goal, I was like, yeah, Malik Wells probably isn't moving the ball well enough to get them down there. So, uh, Speaking of Malik Willis, let's start with our stat of the game because that pretty much describes it for the Tennessee side. He completed five passes. None of those were to wide receivers. I believe two, three were to tight ends and two were to running backs um, for a total, I believe, of 84 yards. So um, no pass catchers were relevant in this one. Um, obviously just... No opportunity there. Derrick Henry and nothing else. Hopefully, Tannehill can come back and breathe some life into these pass-catching options. But, I mean, right now, I don't even think any of them are worth holding besides Traylon Burks if you're uh, hoping for a potential rookie breakout once he gets back. But Robert Woods, don't need to worry about having him on your team. And if you were looking at any tight end options here, you should not be. So. Yeah, um, I think that that might be a good point there. Traylon Burks, I don't know if he's actually on IR. If he is, he might be somebody you might want to look at replacing Jamison Williams with if you're in a redraft league because I think he could have uh, actual impact this year if he comes back and is healthy. Uh, Something to consider. But, yeah, like you said, absolutely nothing from the passing game here. I don't even think it's that much Malik Willis' fault. Obviously, he's a young guy, and he was a third-round pick. He's a developmental prospect, so he's not a great throw over the football yet. But there were a couple times where he put – good balls on his receivers and they just didn't make plays for him it's 
it's really just a lack of any sort of options on the outside. He didn't have much of a chance. My, uh, I actually have a second stat of the game for us, piggybacking off Cody's stat. Malik Willis has 11 completions through his first two NFL starts combined. Patrick Mahomes had 11 completions from the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter through overtime. So I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about this Titans offense. I will say it was um, I do appreciate Mike Vrabel giving his guy the chance to try and air it out um, late in the fourth quarter. That was kind of cool to see. Usually you'll see guys, especially with rookies, just like run the football, put it into overtime, and give yourself a chance to win that way. Um, so I don't know. I really like Mike Vrabel as a coach. Just seems like a, a overall really good football coach, but just a, a cool guy. Seems like a cool guy you'd want to go get a beer with or something like that. So. Big, yeah, uh, he's big Vrabel fan, and the Titans are sneakily, you know, really tough to beat for uh, not having any kind of quarterback play. Yeah, the fact that this is even a game is just a testament to how good he is as a coach. I will say one thing that sort of surprised me is when I looked at the box score after this game, I'm going to be honest, I fell asleep in the second quarter. Uh, I was pretty tired after a long day of celebrating my Justin Fields share. Um, but um, I, I saw that Derrick Henry only had 17 carries in this game. I, I just I'm not sure why. I, I didn't yeah. see a lot of this game. Maybe they just weren't sustaining any drives. That's probably the case. But I feel like he should have had 25 carries the way this game was going, especially because they were winning, like you said, most of the game. So I'm I was surprised to only see 17 carries there for Henry. But uh, yeah, no no pushback on your Rabel comment. I think he's a great coach. Yeah, it, it was kind of it was kind of questionable because they would you know, run him on first down and then he would just leave the field. Like they didn't usually you see him get first down work, second down work, and you see him really start wearing down the defense. I don't feel like they got to that point, which is maybe where they had missed out on closing out the game. Um, but on the Kansas City side, not the best game overall for the offense, but Mahomes and Kelsey still dominated for fantasy like they always do. Um, so no, no real movement for either of those guys. Um, but two guys I do want to point out here, Juju and Hardman have somewhat separated themselves in my eyes. Um, Hardman's just too involved. He's kind of their gadget guy, similar to how they used to use Tyreek before Tyreek really exploded. And um, he's just getting enough work, enough in both the running and passing game, quick screen game, that um, in PPR leagues he's going to have some value and he happened to get in the end zone and um, – you know, good week for him. And then Juju, um, you know, whatever he has found within this offense, whether, you know, like I said, he kind of compliments Kelsey well because they both do very similar things, just kind of look for holes within the defense to slide in. And, uh, you know, whatever him and Mahomes have done to kind of get their connection going has definitely happened. Uh, MVS, I think, only targeted once this entire game. So um, I kind of like to see that as a fantasy manager. Um, and then one, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go, go. So I, I'm going to push back a little bit here. Uh, McCole had six for 79, like you said, in the score. I like the way they're using him in the red zone. I think that's the one point in his favor, but he did have a garbage 33 yard catch at the end of the game when uh, Kansas City had three seconds left on their own 40, and instead of, you know, sometimes you'll see NFL teams do this, where instead of just heaving it down the field and hoping a Hail Mary works, they just toss it to a really fast guy short and pad the stats a little bit, uh, you know, instead of taking the shot and maybe risking an interception or, you know, an injury or something. I, I don't really know why you wouldn't just throw it down there, hope for a pass interference or something, but anyway. It's um, because they ran Nicole, that same play with Tyreek Hill a few years ago and it actually worked. That's true. It is true, but no one is Tyree Kill. Exactly. So I, I think, um, 
yeah, so it, Nicole got his stats padded pretty heavily by that, and I just I believe that as Kadarius Tony gets worked more in here, or gets worked in more here, uh, and like you said, MVS a non-factor in this one. You'd figure they uh, would probably try to get him a few more targets moving forward. That's just a, there's a lot of mouths to feed here. I would still be kind of out on Juju and Nicole. Uh, obviously, at this point, you can't. Juju's probably in your lineup in any sort of half or full PPR situation, but if you can yeah. trade him for a decent asset, I would go ahead and do that. I think it's uh, Kelsey and Mahomes, and the running backs are absolutely unplayable at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're unplayable, and really, I mean, all of them are really droppable in my eyes, and Pacheco would be the only one I'd, I'd really yep. try to keep rostered just because he's the only one. He's the young guy. But I guess. I, I don't think they're going to a one-down back anytime soon or a one-running-back system anytime soon. They're all droppable for sure. Um, yeah, I think 11 total rushing yards from the running back core as a group. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's three guys, so not good. Goodness, great. we have you know, Patrick, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes back there, quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is for sure. Um, he also but, had 68 throws in this game, so that kind of goes to the, the target share that Juju and Nicole had. It, you know, it sounds good, 12 targets, 9 targets, but that's fair. 68 attempts, that is quite a few. Yeah, I, I as someone who does watch them pretty consistently, I do feel like the offense has leaned towards these two guys a little bit more. Now, Tony is a factor, which I did point out. Um, I think that you know, as a fantasy, at a as a fantasy football player and manager, I would rather them just stick with Juju and McColl, let them have their moment and shine, let them be fantasy relevant with the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, but Kadarius Tony was cleared of all injuries as soon as he arrived in Kansas City. That is actually true. Um, so the giant staff just really didn't like him. Um, so as a fan, I hope he gets more involved and can kind of be that speed guy that uh, maybe McColl just doesn't hasn't fully developed into yet for him. But you know, if he does that, then fantasy wise, all these options just kind of become uh, nothing almost again. So a little bit of you know, fantasy side wants me to have him. You know, maybe just chill out for a little bit. But the Chiefs fan in me wants me to you know be our wide receiver one. Hopefully, so tough to see. Yeah, I uh, again, I, I don't really have much more to say yeah. on the Chiefs wide receivers. Yeah, I think uh, Juju's solidly, he's 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 solidly in there right now. And then I think, uh, you know, I would just I would just move off him before his role maybe gets diminished slightly. That's fair. Yeah, if you can trade him for value. But last game on the docket here, Baltimore at New Orleans, the Monday night football game that concluded as we were hit and record, and another. Uh, Another primetime under hits, so uh, another one that I had uh, bet on tonight, so a nice little W for me. Uh, Kenyon Drake really stole the show on the Baltimore side, 24 rush attempts, 93 yards, two touchdowns, two for two through the air for 16 yards. Um, kind of shows what a running back can do in this offense if they're given the opportunity to just run the football you know, with 20-something attempts. They can actually be fantasy relevant, which is nice to see. Um, Lamar, pretty pedestrian. Um Kind of tough to see. Um, I think you have a pretty good question here for uh, for me, but I'm actually going to ask you, our resident Justin Fields fan, are you taking him over Lamar rest of season? Uh, this is a really tough one. Uh, see, I, so Lamar is my quarterback in my uh, my other my, my second most important league, and then Fields, obviously, the guy I just picked up in our mini dynasty situation. Um, it's it's hard. I, I really want to go track record here. My head says to take Lamar Jackson and not you know overreact to this one week from Justin Fields. But the problem is is Lamar has really struggled when he has not had his number one wide receiver, at least from a fantasy standpoint. And Rashad Bateman is out for the year, and there's no help on the way. The trade deadline has come and gone. 
Uh, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to cure what ails this Baltimore offense in that regard. So I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game, especially as Dobbins and Edwards get healthier later in the year. So I think I'm going to go controversial, and I'm going to say Justin Fields is who I would take rest of season. Yeah, I think that is semi-controversial, but I think your reasoning is very uh, um, Not very that I'm that just. low on Lamar. I, yeah, I think he'll be much better once Andrews comes back. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely will be once Andrews comes back. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, um, OBJ is still out there, and he should be kind of getting back sometime soon. So, you know, we'll see with that. But he's not going to be the one to come in here and turn this passing game around for sure. So, um, um, Isaiah likely. um, I think on that, I'm probably still leaning Lamar just for the continuity. He's he's done it. I know he's a little bit more capable. We'll see if Fields can kind of maintain this uh, tear that he's been on. But I do like Fields That's these totally next two fair. weeks. Don't get me wrong. He has some, some layup matchups. He will probably dominate. So And I just looked. Week 11, we play each other. So, yay me. Appreciate that. Our first matchup <laughs> of the year, I get Justin Fields against Atlanta. Let's go. Have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Disappointing game for likely uh, one for five, 24 yards. Got the touchdown that kind of saved his performance. Uh, this one kind of sucked, man. I, I had likely in our mini, di- or our mini dynasty league, and I was hoping he would – kind of light it up and I would be able to feel like he could be a tight end asset on his own with this team having minimal um, options, but don't have that confidence that I may have had uh, going into this week. So tough there. I think if you are not the Andrews owner, if you kind of picked him up with the hope that I did, I think he's droppable um, or, you know, he's, he's maybe streamable. Depend. We'll see. Well, let's see what Mark Andrews is. He is, basically a game time decision so i assume they'll be back after uh after their bye yeah i was definitely disappointed and likely i thought we'd see a little more here especially because that touchdown came very early in the game i believe it was if it wasn't the first drive for the ravens it was their second uh so first quarter touchdown for likely and then just not much after that missed a couple plays there uh between him and lamar i still like the player but Definitely a disappointing performance. Kenyon Drake really stole the show in this one, uh, 93 and two on the ground, like you said. Uh, so he did really well and stole the touchdowns on the goal line from Lamar. He did not run one in. So again, that kind of hurt his bottom line. But uh, overall, Baltimore offense just didn't have to do too much because their defense pretty well dominated the uh, the Saints offense. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Devin DuVernay can be dropped as well. He is just not a fantasy asset that you want to be starting. On the New Orleans side here, uh, totally dominated and um, just did not look good on the offensive side of the ball. 13 points, but they're late. They're, they got a TD late, um, and it was actually a really good play by Jawan Johnson. It wasn't necessarily a great drive sustained in a red zone touchdown, so... Um, yeah, this 13 points is really just covering up what was a really bad game for this offense. Camaro only nine rush attempts. They were down for the majority of the game, 30 yards, three for four through the air for 32 yards. But, um, like, like Nick pointed out here, their entire offense was just inept. So not going to hold that one against him too much. Uh, Olave still the number one here, still in a PPR league, ended up, you know, with a decent game, six for nine for 71 yards. So, um, and we could see Jameis potentially come in and take over for Andy Dalton, which I think would uh, give Olave maybe a little bit of a bump up, probably see a couple deeper targets than he's been seeing with Dalton. 
Yeah, I think this whole offense could use uh, a little bit of a bump up as far as uh, Winston is concerned. He might, you know, provide a little bit more for the other team as well, but I think it would open things up, have some deeper targets, and maybe just, uh, you know, open things up underneath for Kamara and the rest of the players here. But yeah, shout out Juwan Johnson, TikTok star uh, for that late yeah. touchdown. He TikTok he made a pretty he made a pretty good play on that one, and uh, yeah, no, I I know uh, my lovely girlfriend Lana is a big uh, Jawan Johnson fan, so it was good to see him get in the end zone there at the end of the game. But yeah, the rest of the Saints' offense really just completely dudded in this one. Olave kind of saved you uh, with six for seventy-one, not horrible, but they uh, they need a, a a little boost here. They got they got pretty much whooped by the Ravens in this one. Uh, Roquan Smith looks like quite an addition for this defense. He has uh, he's he's a difference maker. Yeah, that's. I think that is just, is to go without saying. He was always, uh, always really good in Chicago, and now he's on a team that can he could actually compete with for, uh, you know, play for a playoff spot. And yeah, he just he he's he the type good. of player that just feels like a Raven too. Uh, middle linebacker, Raven like really Steelers. aggressive, yeah, one of right? Those two huge hitter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but that wraps up our thirteenth matchup and all thirteen of Week Nine. We are. We're into double digits, man. That's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, we'll have to start prepping our Thursday night football preview pod for week 10. That is, like I said, crazy to that think is about. Wild. But if you've been around for the journey, appreciate it. Like I said earlier, like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff for us. Uh, and if you can, share with a couple people. You know, we, we love the uh, the grassroots uh, sharing amongst your friends. Help us get out there a little bit more. Uh, always appreciate it. Nick, any words of wisdom, any final tips for uh, anybody going into their Week 10 waiver wire? Nope. Uh, yeah, just like we said at the beginning of the show, if you have a Raven, Bengal, Patriot, or Jet, make sure you are active in uh, picking up the guys you need to replace them. They are on by this week. But, uh, again, yeah, we'll come at you with that Wednesday – or, excuse me, Thursday night football preview on Wednesday night. Uh, maybe post that on Thursday morning. So be on the lookout for that. But other than that – I will uh, let let us get out of here, Cody. Awesome. All right. Peace out, everybody. All right. Ugh. I'm actually considering in the league that I have Lamar, I'm considering using my waiver priority to pick up fields and then trade Lamar for an asset. I do not I think that might man. be – yeah, I think that might be the move I make. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with just – Throwing all my eggs in that basket, it might blow up in my face spectacularly, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, I don't mind that actually. It's a pretty good. I mean, you could probably get something decent for Lamar still. So especially for a team who needs a quarterback that has a good roster, I mean, they'd probably be willing to give up a, a startable asset for him. So yeah, it's it's good. It's a good. Yeah, move. this 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 league is like we're kind of like little rudimentary in the way that they think so like there's always backups are always rostered and that sort of thing so it's like there's not that many quarterbacks on the wire fields is like i mean by far the best one but like the next best one is Carr. so i mean if there's somebody that needs a quarterback right and it's like a 10 team late so it should be deeper than that but just like everybody just rosters a backup just because so i think i'm think i'm gonna go that route Sure.